thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. you Lord come on Jesus we welcome you into this place send your spirit down upon us oh God anoint us with a new anointing for a new season and a new day do something profound in our midst God today we pray come on lift your hands up toward heaven father we give you this moment we give you this season God we give you this next few moments Because nothing is beyond your ability. And so, God, we ask that you would transform our lives, Father, as we have gathered in your name. This is a special place, a special time. For, God, you said wherever two or three gathered, there you'd be in our midst. You are here. You're mindful of every need. You're mindful of every request, God. You know what every person is dealing with, what they're struggling with, Father. And you are more than able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or could even imagine because the power is already at work within us. So Holy Spirit, we give you free reign in this place. Move, God, I pray, upon our hearts and our minds, God. Deliver the captive, set the captive free. God, I pray that you'd bring salvation, God, to their home. Lord, do your will, God, in our lives this morning, and we will give you all the praise and all the glory for you, for you only are deserving of that. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on. Let's do it like we mean it one last time. Come on before we're seated. Come on, somebody. Amen. Well, how many of you are glad to be in God's house? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Corny, Pentecostal, old-fashioned, if you can. I'll say it that way, right? You get it, right? Well, it's great to be in God's house. I'm so glad that you are with us. And we have four services that are going on for those of you that are over in our gym, those of you are in other, other venues, those of you are watching us online, some people around the world. Thank you so much for tuning in and making Faith Chapel your home. We're excited to have you and have you be a part of what God is doing right here in this place. And we're talking about believable. That's our series. And today I want to talk to you about through the storm. Have you noticed that storms are a part of life? Here's what I know about storms. You're either in a storm right now, and many of you are. You're going through a storm, or you're getting ready to go into a storm. But your storms are a part of life. That's just the way it is. Storms are a part of life. In fact, they come in all different sizes and shapes, don't they? In fact, maybe your storm is a financial storm. You've been furloughed, you've been laid off. Maybe there's just not enough money in your week after you've gotten your paycheck. Maybe the business that you own isn't taking off the way that you thought it would. It's just not happening during this pandemic. You're wondering, is this ever going to end? Is it going to end? For some of you, it's a health storm. You went to the doctor, and the doctor gave you some information that you weren't expecting to hear. The news created a storm in your life. The waves began to seem like they were overtaking you. You know, these kind of storms can wear you out and knock you off your course. For some of you, it's your marriage. I mean, your marriage has been on rocky ground before, but now it's never been this bad. 
the waves are seemingly taking you over and it's taking you into the undertow and, and this kind of thing can be very, very painful. Maybe the word, the D word has been used in your home, divorce. Maybe they've told you that they no longer love you and I'm telling you that can be extremely painful. For others of you that are watching or here today, it's your children or your grandchildren. They're far from God and you've been praying for them for years and, and they're not, you're not seeing God begin to move. They're not being drawn back to God in a way that you want. Or maybe you've suspected for years, but now it's been revealed to you that, that there is some kind of addiction problem and, and you're dealing with that right now. And the reality of that storm is heavy. It's hard. Maybe for some of you, it's an emotional storm. You're sad and you don't know why. You're angry and you don't know why. You're frustrated and you're struggling internally. You're discontent and you're dissatisfied. It might even be that those around you that know you best don't even know that there's anything going on in your world. Well, I want you to know that the living in that reality, that storm, can be painful, deeply personal and painful. And if you're here this morning, here's what I want you to understand. That if you're in a storm this morning, then I want you to understand this, that this word this morning is for you. That God brought you here for such a time as this, that this is the moment that you are to be in God's house. Because God is here and God wants you to know that in the middle of your storm, that he has not left you nor forsaken you, that God is with you today. And that today is a good news day. Today is a day of encouragement, of hope and of faith. The truth is this, and if you're following along in the app and, and following along in the notes, then this is the first statement. But the truth is, is that you're never alone in the midst of a storm, never. If you get nothing else out of today's message, I want you to understand this, that you're never alone as you're going through the valley of the shadow of death. Never alone when you're in the middle of the storm. You're never alone. Today I wanted to share with you some principles from God's word that will help you navigate through the storms of life. And we're going to take it from a familiar passage of scripture. And if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, a few months ago when we were putting this series together, I, I sent it out to, you know, we got all the topics together and I sent it out to the guys that are on the preaching team and I go, I want this to be burning in your heart. I want this to be something you want to preach on. So you guys choose your topics first. I'll take whatever's left. And if I'm being honest, I was hoping that somebody would choose this topic. Because in John chapter 6, if you have your Bible and you're turning there, then you can see that it's only about this big. I mean, Jesus sent the disciples away to go to Capernaum. There's a storm that came up on the lake. Jesus walked out on the water. They recognized it was him. They brought him in the boat, and everything was fine. And I'm just like, God, I don't really don't want to preach on that one. Can you give that to one of the other staff members? And they chose what they wanted to preach on, and guess what came back? <laughs> That's why I'm standing here today, right? And I'm like, God, you really have to give me something. A couple weeks ago, one o'clock in the morning, I was waking up. And I don't know about you, but when God begins to do something in my life, when I wake up, I'm awake. Right? If it's just because my back hurts or I didn't, you know, drink too much soda before I went to bed, I don't know, something like that, then I can roll over and go back to sleep. But when God, for all the years I've been serving God, if he wakes me up in the middle of the night, I mean, I am awake, awake. And I knew it was the Lord, and I turned over to my Bible, and I grabbed it on my phone. I began to just look at this passage. I said, God, i, I got to preach on this in a few weeks. I don't really have anything to say. He said, I want you to preach on the storms of life. And I began to say, okay, well, it would be better if you just tell me what you want your people to hear. And I couldn't write down what I'm about to share with you fast enough. 
And at 4 o'clock in the morning, I got done. I'm like, I'm ready to preach right now. <laughs> When's Sunday? And it was a week and a half away. And I'm excited that we're finally here because I've been waiting to share with you this message that God has put upon my heart. And so the first point in your notes to navigate through the storm is that I want you to see is this, is that Jesus send them, sends them into the storm. Why is this significant? Well, because I want you to understand that you can be smack dab in the middle of God's will and be in a storm. And for some of you, that's revelation. For some of you, you just woke up and went, really? Because you've been taught or you've heard preaching all these years, and especially during the prosperity times, is that if unless there's sin in your life or you've been disobedient, then everything's going to be fine and God's going to bless you and God's going to prosper you and God's going to do all these incredible things. And so you have lived with the guilt and the condemnation that if something's wrong in my life, I must be outside of God's will. And that's not true. Because we'll see it right here in this story. In John chapter 6, 16, here's what it says. When evening came, the disciples went down to the lake where they got into the boat and they set off across the lake to Capernaum. Well, Mark, and we're going to go back and forth so we understand. Mark gives us a little more details. He says, immediately, say immediately. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples, made his disciples get into a boat. Now, in the original language, it's a little stronger than that. He said, you're going now. And they're probably going, well, aren't you going with us? I mean, you called us to follow you. You get in the boat with us. We go where you go. And they're like, no, you're going now, immediately, right now. You're leaving now. You're going this moment. Why aren't you going with us? I'm not telling you. Well, where are you going? I'm not telling you. But you're leaving right now. And so they pushed off the shore. So I want you to see that Jesus intentionally sends him into a storm that he knows is about to happen. You can be smack dab in the middle of God's will and be in a storm. What I've learned in all these years of serving God is that when you're in a storm and you ask the question, God, is my devotional life okay? Am I connected with you? Is there disobedience in my life? Is there anything happening? Is there sin issues in my life? And all of those questions come back. No, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything. Then this is what you need to do. You need to make this a moment of evaluation and step back and say, okay, God, if all of those things are true, then I'm going through this storm for a reason. Why? Because storms are part of life. We said it just a moment ago, and you all nodded your head. Do you know why you nod your head? Because you've all been through storms. And every mature Christian understands this. That's why James says this, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kind. It doesn't seem to make sense. When you face trials of many kind, it's supposed to be joyful. Why? James tells us, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. See, God knows that you need to grow, and he knows that you need to become mature, that you need to develop faith on the inside of you, because without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's why it says in Proverbs 24, 10, that when you falter in a time of trouble, why don't we read it a different way? If you falter in a time of a storm, how small is your strength? If you falter, let me read it this way. If you falter in the middle of a pandemic, how small is your faith? If you falter when, when you lose your job, how small is your faith? If you falter when your marriage falls apart, how small is your faith? When you falter when your children don't serve God, how small is your faith? If you falter because you get a bad report from a doctor, how small is your strength? 
And God says, sometimes I'm allowing you to go through things so that you can encounter my goodness and my compassion and my comforts. You say, would he do that? Well, that's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says this, is that praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're all into that. Let's praise God. Yeah, why? Because he's the Father of compassion. He's the God of all comforts. All right. We like that. By the way, you have to be in a storm in order to need comfort. Who comforts us in all of our storms or troubles so that we can comfort what? Why do we go through troubles? Why do we go through trials so we can grow, mature, become complete? Or so that we can receive comfort, that we can comfort other people. A few years ago, we had just a series of deaths that happened in our church. They were all men, the elderly men that just died. And we got the ladies together. There's four of them within about two months. So we got them all together. We said, why don't you guys just go to coffee? I just encourage, why don't you guys just meet? And they came back and they go, Pastor, that was the greatest thing. Well, we're, we're going to do it every week. Because they were going through that same thing together. And they were comforting one another together as God was comforting them. I don't know why. I'm not going to sit here and predispose to know everything that God does and through his sovereignty and his providence. I don't know why good people sometimes go through difficult things. I'm not going to, but I will tell you this is that that doesn't mean that you're outside of God's will just because you're in a storm. Look at number two. When you're in that storm, you need to realize and understand that Jesus is praying for you. In Mark chapter 6, 46, is after leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. He didn't tell them, he said, you guys are leaving. And he went up on the mountainside to pray. Do you know that you have the greatest prayer warrior in your life right now? And it's not your pastor, your spouse, or your prayer partner. It's not your best friend. It is Jesus Christ himself who's praying for you. Jesus Christ, every single day, is praying for you. In Romans 8, 34 and 36, then who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died. More than that, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. What is he doing since he ascended into heaven? He's interceding for us. He's praying for you. He's mindful of every request. He's mindful of all that you're going through. He knows exactly what's happening in your world, and he is praying for your success. It starts this whole discourse about what can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. He loves you so much, he wakes up, he prays for you. The author of Hebrews says it this way, that because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Listen to this, because he always, say always, always, he always lives to intercede for us. What does Jesus do seated at the right hand of the Father? What does he always do? The moment you wake up, he's interceding for you. When do you get ready to go to bed? What does he do? He's interceding for you. He's calling you by name. He's praying for you. When you're in the middle of your storm, you've got a prayer partner who is praying, blessing down upon you. He's praying that you will have enough strength and grace and mercy and all that you'll need. He's praying for you, just like he prayed for the disciples. Here's what's amazing, third principle. Not only is he praying for you, but he sees your pain. Mark 6, 47. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was all alone on the land. 
and he saw. Now, this is amazing. Just stop here just a second. This is incredible. You're going to miss this if you just read this passage. It tells us later in John chapter 6, verse 19, that when they had rode three to three and a half miles. Now, you understand what's going on? There is a storm. It is dark. It is cloudy. It is the middle of the morning. It is dark. And here they are three and a half miles away from shore. And he's up on a small mount and he sees them. That's a miracle. That's a miracle in and of itself. And what does that tell you and me? There is no darkness that will overtake you where God doesn't see you. There is no circumstance in your life that God doesn't see you. There's not a moment in your life that God doesn't see you. There's not a way for anybody to remove you from the sight of God. Because God's eye is always working on and looking towards you. Always. Man, I don't know about you. That should make somebody happy in this place. Because that, that in and of itself is incredible. Mark tells us this, that it was about the fourth watch of the night. We'll go back to that verse in a second. But in the fourth watch of the night, meaning it was between three and six o'clock. It tells us that they were, he shoved them off right as it was about dusk. Say seven o'clock. Now it's 6 a.m. For 11 hours, they have been rowing. For 11 hours, have you ever rowed a boat? Huh? I mean, you rent one for an hour, you come back and you're exhausted. You're like, we're done for the day. Because I know my, you know, I know your wife didn't help you, sir, right? You're out there all by yourself and you got back and said, we're done. Anything physical, we're done. For 11 hours, they've been rowing. Their arms are tight. They're now numb. The water has been flooding inside the boat and sits in their sandals. There's no Nikes keeping those feet dry. And they are working against the storm. For 11 hours, they are rowing. Listen, when you think God is unaware and when you think that God doesn't care, that's when God sees you right there in the middle of your battle. When you think he's unaware and he doesn't care, that's when he sees you in the middle of your battle. Let's go back to Mark 6. And he saw that they were making headway. How are they making it? Painfully. Not only did he see them, but he saw that they were in pain. He sees you right where you are in the pain that's in your heart. When nobody else sees your pain, when nobody else knows what you're going on, when nobody else knows what's happening on the inside of you, God sees that. God sees every single tear that comes out of your eye. And you say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because scripture tells me this, that God captures every single tear in a crucible in heaven. He is so concerned about even the very tears that come out of your eyes, that when they splash down to your pillow at night, when nobody else is mindful that you're going through those moments, he's picking them up and he's saving them because they're very valuable to him. He knows your pain. Jesus says, he, look, he looks out and he says, three and a half miles, middle of the darkness, I see you. And I sympathize, I empathize, I know you are in pain. Because the wind was against them. That doesn't even help explain it. The Bible really gives this depiction, if you look at all the accounts, that they were going and they were kind of making their way, but the storm got worse. And now they're kind of going backwards. They're not advancing, they're in pain. 
That brings me to the fourth principle to navigate through a storm is this Jesus comes close to you in the middle of your storm. What does he do? He saw them and he sees their pain. And John 6, 19 says, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. Look at how Mark describes it. It's a little different. He says, he saw the disciples straining at the oars. They were going backwards because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, that means they left at dusk. Now it's dawn. They've been, now they're going kind of backwards. They're in the middle of this lake. And it says, and he was about to pass them by. Have you ever read that and wondered what in the world that means? Because it kind of looks like this, right? You kind of get the impression. You've done this. I know everybody's done this. You've been out in public and you're like, oh no. Right? I hope they didn't see me. That happened to me at Albertsons yesterday. A former member of our church. It doesn't go here anymore. They're like. And I just love calling them out. This is not her name. But I was just like, hey, Sue, how you doing? So good to see you. Are you doing okay? Let me give you a hug. Oh, I know it's COVID. Let's do it sideways. Jackson was like, do you know them? I'm like, yeah, but you don't. That's okay. They left a long time ago. It's okay. See, you read the, when you read it, it's kind of like this. You're kind of, he's like passing them by, right? Like, is this going to pass by? Can I tell you, that's not really how it's written. The way it's really written is this. He intended to pass by their way. That's way better. That's the way it should be translated. That he intended to pass by their way. In other words, he saw them. He empathized with their pain. He said, I've got to act. And he left the mountain where he was. He left praying with his heavenly father because he doesn't do anything that his father doesn't tell him to do. And he's communicating with God. Wouldn't you love to hear that prayer? And he says, God, I have to go. Father, I need to leave. My flock is, needs me. They're in pain. And he leaves that moment of prayer, comes down the mountain, gets out on the water, and the water, tempest is blowing, and all the winds and the waves, and he gets right on top of them, and he makes his way intentionally to find the disciples. What does that mean for you? In the middle of your pain, in the middle of your sorrow, in the middle of whatever you're going through, Jesus intentionally comes to you. Look for him. Look for him. Because Jesus wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be a part of what's happening in your life. And so many times as a pastor, it kills me to see when people go through the darkest moments of their life, their church attendance goes down, their serving goes down, their relationship with God goes down. That's when they should be getting in the most because God wants to do something and reveal himself in a brand new way. And when Jesus gets to their boat, he says three things to help you navigate a storm or when you go through the storm. The first one is this, he says, take heart. Now that sounds a little strange, doesn't it? I mean, here's these splashing and the winds are howling, they can barely healing. And he's like, take heart. I don't think that's really what happens. In fact, if you were to look this up, you would find that really the better definition of this is this. Get a hold of yourself. Get a grip. That's really what the definition is. That's really what the wording is. He said, get a grip. Get a hold of yourself. And some of you during this pandemic, and some of you with what's going on in your personal life, some of you that are going through the storm right now, can I just tell you what Jesus would tell you? Get a grip. Get a hold of yourself. I know that it's a difficult time. I know it's a difficult season. I know you're battling with a lot, but God is standing right outside your door and he's waiting for you to open the door so you will come in 
And when you let him in, your whole world will change. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm right here. Didn't you not see me feed the 5,000 with just a happy meal? I mean, we took the toy out, gave it to the kid, and we took his happy meal. And we served 18,000 people. I'm here. It's going to be okay. Get a grip. Then he says, it is I. Now, the Septuagint, it's the Greek version of the Old and New Testament. And in Numbers chapter 13, when God speaks to Moses, Moses goes, you're calling me back to Egypt to deliver your people. Who am I going to tell them sent me so they'll believe? He said, you tell them the I am sent you. Guess what it reads in the Greek right here in this passage? The I am. What, 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 is that, what does that mean? Well, let me just give you this background so you understand how sacred the name, this name of God is. For those of you who went to Israel with me, you know we went to Qumran community and we got to see some of the parchments where we found there in the book of Isaiah and how the scribes you know, were writing them out and copying them. And, and when they would get to the I am, this name of God, Yahweh in Hebrew. In the German Bible, it was Jehovah. In your Bible, it's L-O-R-D, all capital, That's this word. And when those scribes got to that word, you know what they did? They would leave their desk where they were transcribing. They would go down to a mikvah. They would completely immerse themselves to be ceremonially completely clean. And then they would go back to their desk and they would write out Yahweh. And they would go back to the mikvah after they wrote that one word and they would completely immerse themselves from head to toe to be ceremonially cleansed again because they recognized that that name was perfect and holy and just and that's what they weren't. And then they would go back to write the rest of the. That's the word we're talking about here. That's the name of God we're discussing right here. And no wonder Jesus is standing there saying, get a grip. The I am is here. Not the I will be, not the I was. The I am is standing right here. What is that conferring? He's saying, I am the ever-present one. And I'm right here in your life. And I want you to know that God is present in your life right now. And whatever you're going through and whatever trial or tribulation is happening, whatever storm you're facing, the I am, the ever-present one, the covenant-keeping, faithful God is standing there right beside you right now. That's what God does. He's the I am. No wonder he tells them to get a grip. I just did everything. You've seen it. And here I am, and he tells them one last thing, fear not. I wish we had time for this. This is cool because in Matthew's gospel, this is about where Peter goes, you're the I am? Well, if it's really you, then let me come out of this boat and let me walk on the water. And Jesus says, come on then. He's like, all right, I will. And he starts going out. And you guys know the story, right? Peter walks on the water and then he gets his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to drown. And Jesus picks him up and takes him right back to the boat. And there's something that happens about now in the middle of this story. Something begins to take shape in this story. It leads me to this fifth principle. The storms of life reveal who God is. See, the disciples are beginning to understand who Jesus really is. They're learning his identity. Not that he's just a miracle worker. Do you remember what we learned so far in this series in John chapter 11 verse 40? Why did did Jesus do many signs? Why did John choose these seven signs? Why? So that people might believe that he is the Messiah, he's the son of the living God, and that they might believe upon him and have life. 
And now they're beginning to take this change. They're beginning to see him not just as the miracle worker, but now he is the God over nature and the God over human nature. And he is the God that can come in and step into their reality and change their situation. He is a God who cares about them, who sees them, who empathizes with them. A God who walks to them in the middle of their storm. A God who is with them and will never leave them. He's that kind of God. And let me just ask you, even in the middle of this believable series, if you are only believing for miracles because you need one, can I tell you, maybe God's not into that so much. He might do it. I mean, he does it. He does it in the Bible. But can I tell you what he's really trying to do is to get you to believe in him and to see him for who he really is. John 6, 19, disciples saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking in the water, and they were terrified. I like the King James. They were sore afraid. I don't even know what that means. But in Mark 6, 49, it gives a little different picture. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. But Pastor, what do you mean? What does this all mean? Let me help you. When the disciples looked out there and they saw him as a ghost, they had no idea his real identity. There's so many people in the church today that they, have not, they don't have a real understanding of the true identity of Christ. If they did, they would, they would stop walking in fear. You with me? Even in the middle of a pandemic, we're not to be afraid. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We don't have to walk or operate in fear. Common sense, yes, but not fear. That's not the spirit of Christ in us. And the disciples here were struggling with something that I believe was deep down inside their own life. What were they struggling with? They were struggling with a spiritual issue because they didn't know who Jesus really was. And Pastor, how do you know that? Well, look at Mark chapter 6 and verse 52. For they had not understood about the loaves. Okay, there's a lot of parables and things that Jesus did they didn't understand. But what happened? Their hearts were hardened. Now, this is just me here, but I'm going to fill in the blanks for you. It takes a long time for your heart to get hardened. It's not one story, is it? It's not like they were out there on that little mountainside and, and they got that little lunch and Jesus did this and all of a sudden they don't understand that. Jesus forces them to go in the boat and now their hearts are immediately hardened. That's not what happened. What happened is, is that he's been teaching about the kingdom of heaven, and they're going, why isn't he establishing his earthly kingdom? Why isn't he doing something right now? Why are we having to go through all this? Why doesn't Jesus do this? Why does he keep speaking to us in parables, and we have to ask him to understand? Why does he keep doing that? Why, does he, why, did, he, why did he make everybody separate and get into these groups? Why do we have to do all this? And they got in the boat, and when he wasn't present, oh, it just went to a whole nother level. Because when the leader's not there, guess what? He goes to a whole nother level. Right? And it was Jesus this and Jesus that, and he should have been in the boat with us. And we're going he always makes us row. He never rows. Why doesn't he row? He should take his turn to row. Right? If he would just take his turn, right? And their hearts were hardened. Look at number six, we wrap this up. 
I think you have to look for Jesus in the middle of the storm. In John chapter six, verse 20, it says, then they were willing. <laughs> I don't know why, I'm sorry. I, I just think this is absolutely the mo- one of the most, most hysterical verses in all the Bible. They're in a storm. They've been rowing for 11 hours. Jesus says, it is I. And they're like, oh, it really is him. Peter went out there, it's him. They're walking on water. Let's take him into the boat. We're willing now. Good idea, guys, right? Brilliant deduction. And immediately, don't miss this, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. Immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. Now, a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me would call this quantum physics. And they would sound something like this. Hey, thank you for writing quantum physics cruise lines. We're so glad you're with us. Please keep your hands, arms, and feet in the boat at all times, for we'll be arriving immediately. Transported, already there, right? Bam. As soon as he got in the boat, bam, we're at the ocean, you know, we're at the shore. They looked around and went, how'd that happen? What, what? Gee, yeah, he took his turn. <laughs> hey, you stay out of my preaching. Come on now. Especially when it's better than my stuff. I don't like that. He took his turn. They got there right away. I mean, they just, boom, he got in the boat. They were there. And look what it says. I rip, wrap it up. Mark six fifty one. And he climbed in the boat with them, and the winds died down. Of course they did. And they were what? Completely amazed. Because when the winds calmed down, they got Jesus in the boat, set him down, boom, winds, winds are gone. And they looked up. They were at the shore when they were only in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And they were amazed. Here's what I submit to you is that there was a heart change that took place in this story with the disciples. He was no longer the miracle worker, but now he is the son of God. And not too long after this, Peter makes that declaration. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for that was not revealed to you by man, but by the spirit of God. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, there was a heart change. He's no longer just the miracle worker. He's the son of God. And I just ask you this as I wrap it up. When's the last time you were completely and absolutely amazed at what God has shown you or done in your life? When's the last time you were absolutely spellbound by God? Because this word completely amazed is really in the Old Testament, we see it used this way, that they were in holy reverence or in awe. When's the last time that you fell on your face before God or you hit your knees because of what God was speaking to you or what God had done in your life and you recognize, God, you are so perfect and you are so holy and I don't deserve to be in fellowship or relationship with you and I'm so thankful that your grace has covered me and that the blood has washed me whiter than snow and you put a robe of righteousness on me and you brought me into your family and now I can stay with you and I can be with you and I can have fellowship with you. Oh God, thank you that you reveal yourself to me every day though I'm what. So outwardly I'm wasting away. Inwardly, you're renewing me day by day by day by day. God, thank you. I get to worship. I get to worship at the feet of Jesus. When's the last time? 
Because see, if God is really at work in your life, if he reveals himself, his identity to you, those things don't take, it's just the natural response. It's to return thanksgiving and gratitude and praise back to God in holy awe and reverence. So let me just ask you, are you going through a storm today? You're battling something, you're dealing with something inside your life. Maybe nobody else knows about it, but friend, God knows about it. He knows exactly what's happening. He sees you. He sees your pain. He's praying for you. And he wants to come alongside you and reveal himself to you so that you know that his arms of grace and mercy have been wrapped around you and that you feel his peace that that is guarding your heart and guarding your mind. He wants you to take that and throw it at his feet because he said, cast your cares upon me. I'll carry it for you. I don't want you to carry it. But maybe you picked something up along the way. Maybe you're right in the middle of the most temptuous storm you've ever gone through. Friend, if that's you this morning, would you just stand wherever you are? Maybe you're at home and you're standing there. Maybe one of the other venues. I just want you to stand. This is a declaration of it. I just want you to stand because I want to pray for you. And I don't want you to let this moment go by because this moment is a moment that God created to do something amazing in your life. This is a breakthrough moment about to happen in your world. This is a moment where God wants to come and not just reveal himself to you, but deliver you from whatever is happening in your world. Because I believe that God can turn it around just like that. When you let him into your world and you recognize the calm is there and you look up, you're gonna be where God wants you to be. He changed your entire circumstance for good because God works all things together for the good. He's working something in you that's good. Don't let this moment pass. Would you bow your heads with me? If, stay standing if you're standing. But if you're here, before I pray for those that are standing all over this building, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're at home, you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. One of our venues, you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. God is speaking to you. God knows you full well. And listen, the miracle he wants to bring into your life is a miracle of salvation. With just a spoken word, like when he calmed the seas, he speaks over you. And your sin is thrown as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers it against you no more. It's all gone. It's all gone. And if that's you this morning, wherever you are, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, come on, let's all join him. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you, to be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for dying for me, for loving me. I invite you to be a part of my life. Help me to serve you in all I say and do. In Jesus' name. And now, Father, we pray for every person that's battling in a storm. Maybe they've been knocked off course. Maybe, maybe the undercurrent has gotten them and they feel like they're drowning. Maybe there seems to be no way out. Maybe, maybe God, their emotions are high and they're just wondering when all of this will ever be over. God, right now, you see them. You've been praying for them. 
And God, you're mindful of what they're feeling right now in this moment. So I ask you, dear Jesus, to come close to them. As we lift our hands all over this building, God, this is our, our attempt to fulfill James 4, 8, where it says, if we draw nigh to you, you said you'd draw nigh to us. So we're reaching up to you, God, in the best and only way we know how. But Lord, would you see this as an act of surrender? And would you come, oh God, into our lives? And would you, God, deliver those that need deliverance? Would you set the captive free? God, would you heal those that are afflicted? God, would you come and make your peace known over them? Speak. God, I pray over their lives in Jesus' name. I thank you, oh God. I thank you for your presence right now that is touching people all over this building. I thank you that you're a God who's concerned and a God who cares. I pray, Father, that you would continue to have your way. God, in our lives, and God, help us to recognize that even in the middle of life's battles, you are there. For you'll never leave us, nor will you forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at faithchapelsd. See you real soon.